All right. Um, uh, yeah. Hey, guys. It's, uh, it's going to be a good day for a variety of reasons. Some good football games on today. It's going to be good. Should we reach our hands out towards Aaron Oaks that if uh, the 49ers lose, this man will be able to continue on with life? Pastor Joshua is not here this morning. He is, uh, this is really cool. He's out uh, uh, preaching over at Hope Chapel in Eugene. Um, now, what's so cool about this is uh, this is a, a One Hope relationship. Uh, Pastor Ken over there uh, is taking a little time off. They've, had, they've really been hit hard. They had a couple of uh, deaths um, together a few months back in, in their leadership team. Uh, really, really difficult situation. It had to do with the, um, uh, suicide and things. And, and uh, so they've really been going through it. So uh, last week, uh, Doug Easterday was over there uh, preaching and had a, an incredible time, a beautiful ministry time. So Pastor Josh is there uh, this morning, and he's actually preaching to them what he, he uh, preached last week here about forgiveness. Wasn't that a great word last week? Yeah, so good. So uh, let's just, uh, can we just pray for him real quick? Let's just do that. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, Pastor Josh and, and this uh, word he has on his heart. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, it, would, it would go powerfully there this morning. We pray for healing for that body. We pray for healing for Pastor Ken and uh, for, for all the people that were affected. Lord, you have a, an amazing ability of taking a broken messed up situation and doing something beautiful with it. So we ask that this would be a part of it. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters at Hope Chapel, and we look forward to the day where, where they are uh, just totally renewed and restored, and they walk forward loving you more, trusting you more, and even more authority in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to... Um, <laughs> I'm gonna kick things off today. Uh, this is a little bit of a throwback, actually, um, I, I've shown this in here one time before, but I thought it was time. It was time to uh, renew this. And so this is a video a few of us put together a couple of years ago. Um, yes. Yeah, go. Should I? Hey, all right. Hi, I'm Fred Knapps of Roman 7 Church, and this is our commercial. I'll just do it again. Okay. One, more, one more time. Again. Okay. When I grow up, I want to be a Roman 7 Christian. I don't do good things I want to do. I keep on doing evil things I don't want to do. Romans 7. Best chapter ever. I do what I don't want to do, but I am not really the one who is doing it. It's sin living in me. wretched man that I am. A wretched man that I will be. I'm not going to be a wretched man. I'm going to be a wretched woman. What's your, what's your vision here at Church of Romans 7? What do you think of the commercial? Um, I don't... <laughs> Look, if you have low expectations for yourself, then you will never ever, ever be disappointed. Um, mission statement. It would be to set the kids up 
so that they know that this world is horrible, horrible, horrible. I think the worst thing you could ever, ever tell a person is, I believe in you. Because then they'll start believing in them, and then they'll fail. <laughs> Three types of music I love. Classical, Asian, and classical. Those are the only three types of music worth listening to. Can I interrupt? Yes. You pastor, wrote, good to see you. Uh, I'm sorry, not pastor, chief sinner. I'm still you. trying to break that habit. We, I'm sorry. You will never break the habits. You're so wise. You're so wise. <laughs> I was wondering, if, if could he show you the song? Oh, the song no, you was, wrote I was just Sunday. going to ask no, if I could hear something. It was so, so good. We believe that it's much better to make peace with your sin than it is to resist. Amen. Because we're tired of getting let down by ourselves. It's true. <laughs> you know, I think the thing I appreciate most about the Church of Romans 7 is that all of us, uh, for me the chief of sinners, all the way down to the, the children's ministers. <laughs> We believe in this chapter, we believe in Romans 7, that it's a roadmap for our, for our Christian life. I'm a dirty, rotten factory. What I'm doing is I'm trying to build a foundation so that later, when every single one of these kids' lives are ruined, and they are looking at the flaming wreckage of all of their hopes and dreams, they'll look back on their time in my camp, and they'll realize, you know what, thank you. You set me up to be prepared for all my failures. And now, rather than having all of their hopes dashed, they realize hopelessness is actually the way they should be. And there's no hope for you. <laughs> I guess my next question would be, what about the next chapter, Romans 8? Romans 8. <laughs> Did you say? Did you say Romans eight? He did. Um, there, there is no Romans uh, eight in the Bible. I, no, no, it's in there. I've read it. it. It's about having victory over your sin. Oh, I don't hey, hey! Think it's, I don't think God meant for Romans eight to be in there. No, it's all about having victory. No, over your sin. you can't. We're, we're not talking no. about victory. No, no, no. We need to do some more episodes of the Church of Romans seven. I love his title there, Seamus, Seamus, the worship leader. Yeah, nice play on words there. The reason why I wanted to show that again, this has long been a thing uh, for years, ever since I started being a teacher that I've railed on, and it's sort of been, I, I can't stand seeing defeatism. It drives me insane. I think it has no place in the church. And I've never seen, I've never been to a real church of Romans 7 that adopts this and proclaims it quite that extreme. But I, I have seen a whole lot of people that insist on clinging to Romans 7 as the roadmap for a Christian life, as if, as if it's the way it's supposed to be. And they, they often walk in, in this defeatist mindset as if, as if they're just expecting to fail all the time. And then guess what? They, they do. Isn't that funny? I think that stuff actually matters. And uh, I, I'm not going to go into 
everything I could for that chapter this morning. It would take too long. But suffice it to say, uh, I don't think it was ever intended to be a roadmap for the Christian life. I think the Apostle Paul, having been a Pharisee himself, having tried everything he could to follow the law apart from the Holy Spirit, back in his day, he kept seeing himself fail over and over again. And he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then guess what the next line is? Thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, the Holy Spirit, this chapter was not ever anticipated to be that. I'm tired of people looking at it that way. Um, Paul actually, uh, he, he was the staunchest advocate for a, a victorious Christian life that you're going to find. He had this outrageous language he would talk about, about overwhelmingly conquering, about, about having victory in all areas. He, was even, he would say crazy stuff like, follow me as I'm following Christ. You know how arrogant people would feel to even say something like that nowadays? Why? Just find it very interesting. Now, I, I've, I, I don't know how many times I, I've talked about this. Like I say, it's, it, to me, it's like this little thing. I just feel like I'm so tired of seeing it, and I want it to go away. I actually wrote, an, I wrote a, a, a blog post about a year and a half ago, and I knew I was going to get flack for it, because every time you mention this particular thing, you're bound to get flack. So if you have hate mail, email, send it. My email address is joshua at christcenter.com. <laughs> Dot com. Just write, jot that down. If you, I wrote a blog post about uh, the lyrics of one of the all-time favorite hymns that we sing. It's a beautiful, gorgeous hymn. It has magnificent melody and lyrics. It's, it's gorgeous. And it's the hymn, Come Thou Fount. Now, everyone loves that hymn because it, it is beautiful. But there's, there's one verse in particular, a couple of lines that I just, I, yeah, I do that when I see it. And it, for some reason, when you sing this in an assembly of many people, this is the loudest part. You know what I'm talking about. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Thank you. Yeah, have you ever noticed that? Next time you sing that song in, in a group of people, listen to how the volume just rises there. And it's like, yes, yes. <laughs> now, here's the thing. So I wrote a blog post about that, and here essentially was my point. Try saying that to your wife. Prone to wander, dear, I feel it. Prone to leave the wife I love. I'm, I, am, I am so close to leaving you right now. And... Isn't this a beautiful love song that I'm singing to you? And if you could, because I know I'm going to leave you, if you could take my heart and seal it, I'll like, here's what you can do. Why don't you put me in handcuffs and, and like chain me to the kitchen door so that I don't leave and run out towards other women? That's the only way I'm going to make it. Isn't this a beautiful relationship we have? <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Now, here's the thing. Lest you hate me, I get it. I, I take it, I'm guessing, I don't know the history of that hymn, but I, I, that hymn was probably written at a, a really difficult time in that guy's life. Like, he's really struggling with stuff. And he's just being honest. He's saying, Lord, I feel like I'm about to run away. And so he writes that and he pens that thing. I always think, I always advocate being honest with the Lord. Please be honest with the Lord. And if that's the way you're feeling, then tell him. The thing that I don't like is that we would take that on as, man, this is our anthem. We are prone to wander. And that you would sing it in times when you're actually not feeling that way. 
Do you see what I'm saying? I think that is defeatism. That is, it's saying, you might not actually be in that place at all, but you're telling yourself that you are. You know what? I'm just prone to water, man. Any day I'm going to backslide. Any day. So, Lord, you're going to have to come in and lock up my heart because I'm prone to water. And I don't buy it. It's so funny how we have a propensity to cling to bad news. When I wrote that blog post, here's the reason I bring that up. Uh, I had some discussion back and forth, and people were upset with me, mostly my cousin, but that wasn't a big deal. Um, and uh, one of my friends sent me a message and says, hey, uh, you know this person is actually talk, having a discussion about your blog post. You should go and look at this thread. So I jump on and look at the thread, and, I, and uh, it was interesting because they're going back and forth, and I don't even know this person very well, and the other person read it and was like scandalized a little bit. And uh, so the, this, this person's defending me, and she says, well, I hope he doesn't mean that we're prone to righteousness. I mean, God, that would be crazy. I don't think that's what he meant. Now, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? What is this? Why do we have such a propensity to cling to bad news? You know what I mean? It reminds me, some of you guys are in Joe Lance's home group reading through this book by Harold Eberle called Victorious Eschatology. Uh, Pastor Joshua read it and was raving about it. I've never actually read it, and I'm not even sure why I come down on all of it, but I heard him speak, Harold Eberle, and he's a really smart guy, and he, but he was talking about this view of, of the end times. This is just an example. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but he was talking about the, the end times and, and putting together just an alternate way of thinking about it and proposing it and laying it out on the table, and uh, as he's saying it, some people are getting really uncomfortable because they've had this traditional sort of view, you know, as espoused and like left behind or whatever, that uh, of the end times. And so one lady's getting really uncomfortable as he's talking, and she raises her hand. She goes, whoa, 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 don't take away my antichrist. <laughs> don't take away my antichrist. She actually said that. Why in the world do you want to cling on to bad news? Wouldn't it be a great thing if, 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 if some of this bad stuff that we cling to and have always believed, maybe if there was actually something better there than we believed, wouldn't that be a good thing? We have this propensity to cling to bad news. I hope he's not saying we're prone to righteousness. Hello? Because we are dirty, rotten, sin factories. Right? Is that, this is what is taught. Guys, and you hear it in people's prayers. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I lay myself on the ground because I am dirt. And if you, oh, Lord, I, I know if you could, if you acted the way that you felt about me, you would hurl lightning bolts and throw the hammer of Thor on me, oh, Father. You would step on me, for I am worm stuff. And you're like, what? Really? Is that really what you think? Well, I've got good news for you. I don't think he thinks that way about you. I think part of the reason people come to think about this is at least in more recent years is because 
of a particular version of the Bible that many people read and a particular way the word was translated that really got into our psyche. Uh, Again, this is another thing. I don't have like an hour to go into this like I'd love to, so I just want to encapsulate something, okay? So forgive me. I know I'm skimming through this. I don't have time to go into, into grave detail, but I'm just going to throw this out. People ask me about Bible versions sometimes, and I almost always say, listen, the ones I like the most are like the NAS, uh, New American Standard, or the New King James Version, and the one that I dislike maybe the most is the New International Version, the NIV, and there's a reason for that, and one of them is the way that they treated this word in Paul's epistles. This word is called sarks. Everybody say that? Sarks. There, now you all know Greek. Look at you. Okay, this word means flesh. Okay? Flesh, as in body. (laughs) Flesh. Many places, especially in Romans chapter 8 and and in, in the book of Galatians, dealing with issues of sin and struggling, these kinds of things, the NIV translated that as sinful nature. But it didn't mean sinful nature. It doesn't mean sinful nature. It means flesh. Now, the reason NIV does that is because the philosophy of the NIV is they they like to try to translate whole ideas, like whole concepts rather than words. So the translators, here's, here's here's why I back off from the NIV, is if the translators come in already having some preconceived theological ideas that you might disagree with, they're gonna try to translate those ideas into the text rather than the words themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, so that, that's a style of translation. That's a philosophy called dynamic equivalent. It's, well, here's really what he's trying to say, and that's what they translate, rather than actually translating the words, where more literal translations, like New American Standard or New King James Version, they actually try to go and translate the words. That means we sometimes have to do more work in figuring out what it's saying. But here's the problem is the New International Version, of course, became the one that everyone adopted and loved because it's extremely readable, and it's a great translation when you're you know, reading through a whole bunch of portions of Scripture. But when you start getting specific, especially into the theology of Paul, you suddenly see all this stuff come through that I don't think Paul was ever actually saying. So every time it's mentioning the flesh, it's going sinful nature. When he's not talking about sinful. He's talking about body, flesh. But you get that sin thing attached to it so that it becomes inseparable. And so now, what are we? Well, we just have to remind ourselves that this is wicked. It's evil. You see that? Now, here's the thing. I know you're thinking, well, come on, like, are you a Bible translator? No, I'm not. But so why do I say this? How can I say this, like, in good conscience, constructing the thing that, like, tons of brilliant scholars were on? Guess what? In 2011, there was an update of the NIV, and they took that translation out. Because they got so much flack from the the scholarly community saying, you can't do this. You can't come in and change this, because that's not what it means. So in in newer versions, in 2011, updated the NIV, and now says flesh instead of sinful nature. Now, so it was a mistake. Here's the thing. I think it bled in. I really do. I think a lot of the damage was done. And we start really thinking that we're dirty and we just can't get rid of the dirt. And that when we think about ourselves, we just can't separate that thing. And so our prayers become all defeatist and our theology becomes all defeatist. And we just walk around constantly feeling like that's going to be the norm. And we start having this negative self-talk. Well, you just, you just stupid moron. Like you just, you'll never get this right. 
come, Lord, quickly, because I'm only going to get right in heaven. I'm never going to have any victory in this life. And guess what? If you talk to yourself like that, it's probably going to be true. Self-talk is a powerful thing. People take on sin as an identity. They take on this dirtiness as an identity. I think of uh, a pastor that I, I heard that I actually really respect, and he was, had this little radio clip, and he was talking about his experience, what happened last week, and he was driving to work, and somebody cut him off, and he got so mad, and he starts screaming and honking his horn and all this stuff, and he's, he's saying it like telling on himself, because this is what I did. Can you believe that? <laughs> he goes, well, why did I do that? Well, why do we do things like that? It's because we're sinners, and that's what we do. We're sinners. We sin because we're sinners. In other words, this, it's just what we are. And you move on in this idea. And that's the natural outcome. And I can't help but wonder how many people listen to that kind of message and think, oh, so that's normal. So that's what I am. And then they stop pushing for more. They stop believing that the Lord could actually change their hearts. How many of you guys actually want to be changed in the areas where you still struggle? Anybody? Am I the only one? I got news for you. You can. The Holy Spirit has not given up on you. So don't take on these things as an identity because they're not. They never were. They never were. Can you imagine him saying, I, like I was thinking about this. I'm like, first of all, that was probably a really rare exception for him. He probably gets cut off all the time and is like, oh well, bless him, Lord. <laughs> Whatever. Right? Now, would he stand up and say, now, why, do, why did I do that? Why didn't I react? Well, because I'm righteous, and that's what righteous people do. No, he wouldn't say that, because he's afraid of being, he, so, so many of us are, are scared of being Pharisees. They're coming across like Pharisees. But I bet you, even those of you who, who have areas when you're really struggling uh, on a regular basis, I bet you still have areas when you're just doing awesome. Now, how do you account for that? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm saying, there's hope for us, guys. There's hope for us. We've got to get rid of some of these old mindsets that are just rooted on flimsy theology and all this other stuff and our own personal histories. I don't care how many times you've failed. There's still hope. There's still hope because the Holy Spirit's with you. And I'm getting ahead of myself. And it's time we tweak our theology. Anybody up for that? If the Son has made you free, you will be free indeed. How should we view ourselves? Well, how about <laughs> he's made us free? How about he's taken us in as sons? How about that? Rather than, I'm just a sinner, a sinful human being who the Lord somehow found this legal loophole to bring me into heaven even though I didn't deserve it. I'm <laughs> never going to please him. But there I am. Really? How about this? The sun set you free? You're free indeed. This guy. <laughs> he is the pride and joy of Minneapolis, Minnesota. The artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> you remember this? This was 20 years ago. That makes us feel, make anybody feel a little old that he did this? The artist formerly known as. one of you knows. But I, I was just thinking about this terminology. Formerly known as. And I think we need to take a page from our friend, the symbol guy. And be 
formerly known as, and understand that that's not what we're known as anymore. The Apostle Paul, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. We too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. But God, being full of mercy, made us alive again through Christ. Is that good news? You were formerly that way, and guess what? You're not now. Who? There we go. How about this? And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly blood. Isn't that interesting? There's the word, Sarks, right there. Oh, but Jesus, you should have said his sinful nature. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> Sorry. Little aside there. I can't help it when I see that. Okay. Now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Isn't that good news? You were formerly that way, but he's taken you and he's cleansed you. If you've come to him and said, forgive me, Jesus, I have sinned. Please take me. Please come and be my Lord. Like, be my king. And if you lay yourself before him and say, come, would you rescue me? Because I need to be rescued. I plead guilty and I want to be a part of your kingdom. You come to him that way and that attitude and you cling to him, then you're not filthy anymore. There we go. Sorry. People say I hit things when I preach. I just realized I do. <laughs> this picture is from Rembrandt. It's called St. Peter in Prison. And uh, Peter, to me, is an a awesome picture of the formerly known as. You, you see the way that he was, and then this like crazy rapid transformation where everything just boom, boom, and suddenly he's this like stalwart dude, you know? And... Uh, one of my favorite things that happened to Peter uh, was he, he, this dream that he had and how he responded. There was a man named Cornelius who the Lord said, I want you to go get Peter. Cornelius wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. And uh, God said to him, I, I want to do something for you and your community because he loved God, but he didn't know what to do about that situation because he wasn't Jewish. Is this okay? All this. So in the, he says, I want you to go get Peter. Now, I'll... This is awesome that God was working on both ends. He's talking to Cornelius, and then he's preparing Peter. Doesn't even know. Cornelius is coming over. Doo, doo, doo. Peter is having an afternoon nap. And as he's sleeping, he sees this vision of this blanket coming down and these unclean animals, pigs especially. And he says, arise, Peter, eat. And Peter says, ah, I can't do that unclean animals. I've never eaten an unclean thing in my life. I mean, I follow the Torah. I know that pigs are bad news. And here's what he says. He says, let no thing that God has called clean, don't call that unclean anymore. Now, beautiful thing here, first of all, uh, <laughs> he wasn't actually talking specifically about bacon, but... <laughs> Robert, I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he was actually talking about people. So I want you to extrapolate this language and now think about it in our terms today. Here's the, the verse. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. If he has cleansed you, then no longer consider yourselves unholy. Get rid of all these taglines that you've brought along because it's not true anymore. 
and stop disagreeing with what the Lord says. Practically speaking, do you, does he call you clean? Then stop calling yourself unholy. Does he call you free? Stop calling yourself a slave. Does he call you a son or a daughter? Stop thinking like an orphan. You going to agree with him? Or are you going to go along with bad, crippling, defeatist theology? I want you guys to be honest. How many of you struggle with negative self-thoughts, negative self-talk, right? Can you be honest and just raise your hand? Okay, I want you to stand up. Look at this. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the honesty in this room. And Lord, you see our need. I want you guys to just examine your hearts here. Have you come to him? Have you given yourself to him? Have you submitted your heart to him and say, Lord, forgive me and cleanse me. I want to be yours. If you've done that, then Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall on these guys and give them a new identity. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come strip away all the damage and all the lies that have been spoken into the hearts of these wonderful, beautiful people who you've redeemed, your sons and daughters. Strip away those things in the mighty name of Jesus. And we invite you now to speak the truth, to whisper your words, Dad, that we are no longer filthy, but we are your sons and daughters. You have set us free, and we are. You have looked on us and said, it is very good. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you now just to speak hope into all the areas, all the hidden places where the cracks are, all the weaknesses that cause us to really believe those lies. I pray for the, the, the dark, hidden places where people struggle with envy, where people struggle with anger, where people are fighting against lust, where people are coming against alcohol and all these places where they've fallen time and time again. And so they look and they latch onto those things and they say, well, I guess that's just gonna be my lot. We say no in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and show yourself mighty and have victory in these places in Jesus' name. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want you to say that and personalize it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because it's true. It's true. There's new things. There's more things. There's better things. We've all been settling. Hallelujah for good news.
there are better things. He calls you clean. Are you guys ready to receive that? Prayer servant team, can you come please? If you're, if you're struggling to receive that, please come. And we're going we're gonna to continue to pray. We're going to continue to grapple with those things. Because I don't want those things holding you down. So if you're still fighting it, please come forward. Paul, can you come? And if you've gotten breakthrough, if he's speaking to you, if you can feel his hand on you, let's just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you work in us. Lord, we thank you for new things that you speak. We thank you for the identity. Can you receive the identity? Lord, we thank you that you call us sons and daughters. And we say yes, and we now align ourselves to what you say and reject the old. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, amen. Amen. Is that good news or what? Yeah, let's just thank you. Let's thank you. So please come forward if you need prayer. If you're visiting with us, I'm going to be back at the back table. We'd love to meet you. Uh, uh, go with God. Love you guys. Thanks.